Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the If This Is It edition. As the Bengals take stock of where things stand during their bye week and at least consider making a change at punter. Coming up, we'll hear from special teams coordinator Darren Simmons and practice squad punter Drew Chrisman, who is waiting in the wings if the Bengals decide to move on from Kevin Huber. We'll also look at why the running game was so much better last week and update you on a couple of key players who appear ready to return from injuries after the bye. And finally, I'll chat with Paul Hirons from the Bengals Fan Club in the United Kingdom about their recent visit to Cincinnati. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since The Offer. I'm a huge fan of the movie The Godfather. If I'm flipping channels and Godfather 1 or 2 is on, I'm definitely going to watch at least 30 minutes, even though I've seen each one approximately 1,000 times. Well, recently, I've been watching a series on Paramount Plus called The Offer, and it's about the development and filming of the first Godfather movie. It's told from the perspective of the movie's producer, Albert Ruddy, and I don't know how realistic it is, but the making of the movie was a lot like the movie itself. The critics' reviews have been mixed, but I think it's great. If you love The Godfather, I bet you'll love The Offer. Now, let's get to football. I've gotten to know Kevin Huber's folks over the years, and I joke with them that I might have seen Kevin punt in person more than they have since I called his games home and away for his entire career at UC and have done the same for most of his career with the Bengals. Kevin is, without question, the best punter in team history and has played in a franchise record 216 regular season games. But there's at least a chance that he won't make it to 217. So far this year, the 14-year vet has not punted up to his high standards. He ranks next to last in the league in punting average and net average. Here's special teams coordinator Darren Simmons. Well, I think he's been he's been struggling a little bit. That's that's no secret. I think he'll be the first to tell you that. I think he, he made a pretty good analogy. He said he's he's great on the practice range. He's not taken to the first tee. And he's been his practice has been pretty solid. Um, his pregame warmups have been solid. He's just not taken to the game. And I think as you get older, you know your margin for error becomes really small. Some of these guys are, that are real strong and real powerful have young young legs. You know, can get away with some things. Can get away with the get off times being a little slower. Get away with the drop not being exactly the right spot. They can adjust, and uh, you know his his margin for error with some of that stuff is just it's just reduced. You know compared to what it used to be. With Drew on the practice squad, is the bye a time to evaluate where things stand? Well, I mean, like, like I said, we, we've constantly, I've constantly been evaluating this whole thing. Um, our punting game, obviously our punting game's got to improve. Um, you know, we're not, we're not getting out of it what we need to get out of it in terms of flipping the field. And so it's something we'll take a look at over, the, over this uh, bye week and, and uh, try to figure out what the best thing is going forward. So just to clarify, is it possible that when the Bengals return from their bye week next Sunday – that Drew Chrisman is their punter at Pittsburgh. Oh, I, you know, I don't know. But it, that's something we'll, we'll talk about, I'll think about. You know, we, we've got whatever it is, how many days to figure that out. Um, it, you know, but this is something that's, that's uh, certainly been building over some time, you know, for sure. And we've got to do something to, you know, 
put our team in a good spot to control field position, and we, we've got to be better with that. Darren went on to say that holding for field goals and extra points will not be a factor in the decision. He's confident that Chrisman can do a solid job as a holder. It's all about punting. Drew averaged 49.6 yards in the preseason, but his net average of 38.6 is only slightly better than Huber's current net average of 37.4. I caught up with Chrisman in the locker room this week. So Darren told us yesterday that the punting situation will be evaluated during the bye. Did you see those comments, and what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't see them, but I mean, obviously, I've, I've been here the whole season, and um, thoughts are just prepare every week as if you're going to play. That's what I've been doing the whole time, so really nothing changes, and um, you know, get some extra work in this bye, work on some things that we need to work on, and then, uh, yeah, we'll see what next week brings. Does it add a little intrigue to the next week or two for you? I mean, of course. I mean, every week's, you know, full of opportunities. Um, you know, lots of things happen around the league. Injuries, every so, you know, opportunities pop up. But, you know, it's uh, it'd be awesome to happen here for sure. I know you have the utmost respect for Kevin. The way Darren described it yesterday, Kevin feels like he's been practicing well. And then, like a golfer, it doesn't take it out to the first tee. Has that been your observation? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I'm not in his shoes, and I know, I know from personal experience, you know, playing, uh, you might have a great warm-up. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a great game. You know, it uh, doesn't always, I mean, the game situation, you know, you feel that adrenaline pumping a little more and everything. You know, sometimes, you know, your steps are a little off, drops a little inside, and, and the nature of our position, just an inch, you know, off, it, it could change the whole, whole matter of the operation. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that's pretty sound. Have you been doing anything particular to improve in practice in the pregame warm-ups, et cetera? Yeah, from, you know, taking this opportunity, knowing I wasn't going to be playing, you know, the first couple of weeks, I've been able to tweak some things in my form and things I didn't like in the preseason and uh, improve some areas that I knew that, that needed some improvement, and I feel pretty comfortable where I'm at right now, for sure. I haven't studied every practice squad, but I don't think every team has a punter on the practice squad. What does it mean to you that the Bengals think highly enough of you to want to keep you here for when that day comes? No, it's been great. Yeah, I mean, this is this is pretty rare, I would say. Yeah, I'm not sure too many other teams do that um, just carry a punter throughout the season maybe for a week or two something flares up but not continually and um, I think that you know that goes to show kind of what I did in the preseason you know knowing that I was close and still had some things to work on and just you know waiting for that right opportunity. Kevin Huber is 37 years old but it's worth pointing out that last year his punting average and net average were slightly better than his career numbers. We'll find out soon if he'll be given the chance to show that this is only a slump or if the Bengals decide to make a switch. To a lesser extent, Evan McPherson is also in a slump. In the last two games, he's missed 47 and 48-yard field goal tries and a 33-yard extra point. But Darren Simmons doesn't sound too concerned about Money Mac. You know, you can't dwell on anything too much with him. You have to let good or bad roll off his back and let him go out and react and go to the next kick. You know, I, I think that came into play a year ago in the playoffs. You know, we had a practice. I think he missed seven kicks in one practice and, you know, came back and, you know, made all made all those four field goals in the game. So, um, 
yeah, it's get, I'm, I'm a little concerned about it, um, but I'm, I'm trying not to make too big of a deal about it. And, you know, it's something he's got to get worked out here over the course of the next couple of weeks. He literally had seven misses in a practice. That's not embellishment? That's not embellishment. That's, that's real. Was that a practice record? <laughs> this is something that's really got you. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's I've never heard that That's before. a lot to miss. Um, yeah, I think it's a record. That's a lot of misses. <laughs> No, it it it, uh, it was it was one practice. He he had a couple. It, it was uh, he had a couple bad hits there in a row, and I said we're not in on that one. And uh, he missed again. I said we're not in on that one, and he missed again. And we're not in on that one, and he missed again. And after the seventh one, I said, all right, the hell with this. <laughs> we're, we're done. We're done. Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Sometime during the second quarter of last Sunday's broadcast, I made a prediction that came true. I'm not claiming to be Nostradamus. It was an easy call. I said that Joe Mixon would be named the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. First and goal from the three officially. Burrow takes the snap, gives it to Mixon. Joe is into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. Joe Mixon having a half. That's his second touchdown of the afternoon. And the Bengals are up by three TDs. And you're saying Joe Mixon, a Pro Bowl caliber running back. When is the day coming? This has been a get-right day. Mixon rushed for 153 yards on 22 carries and caught four passes for 58 more. His 211 yards from scrimmage marked a career high, and his five total touchdowns is a new franchise record. The Bengals entered that game, ranked 30th in the league in rushing at a meager 81 yards per game. They nearly tripled that against the Panthers, running for 241. Here are center Ted Karras, and offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. I think we're getting there. Yeah, I think yesterday was who we want to be. And if we can continue to run the ball like that with nine as our QB, it'll be hard to, you know, stop us. Um, I think that will be a great addition to our offense if we can continue to run the ball for, you know, over 150 would be a good mark. But, you know, that's going to come down to performance on Sundays. And, and really, uh, we did our best yesterday, so we're hoping to do it again for the, the eight-game stretch we have coming up. Joe finally ran uh, with the demeanor and the passion and the energy and, and the things that he's always done finally showed up this week you know and it broke tackles ran hard ran aggressively um you know made it they were, he was a tough out for the Panthers defense this week and hopefully that's that's what Joe is for the rest of the rest of the season going forward but um you know he, he breathed a lot of life into the plan this week obviously it's it all looks good on a chalkboard on a drawing and presenting it to the team but when you got guys going out and you know blocking defensive ends like Trent Taylor did and TB did and uh, and Joe making people miss and, and running for yards and running people over, it makes it look a lot better. Um, so that's what happened. Speaking of Brian Callahan, he addresses the team every Saturday morning and, according to Mixon, did an especially good job of getting the guys ready to go for the Carolina game. He had a hell of a meeting on, on Saturday, and the way that you could just tell, like, the hunger and everything in his eyes. And we had great preparation all week. But the way that Callahan, he was getting at us on Saturday, and um, I just loved how he came in with an edge in that meeting, and basically everything that he said, we made it happen today. So we spoke it into existence. I asked Brian about his speech. 
Uh, I'm glad that he felt that it was effective. I don't know that um, uh, too many pregame speeches have, or meeting speeches have won too many games. Uh, he went out and played really well, which is all that really mattered. But, um, yeah, I mean, my Saturday mornings are, are kind of a, a, a recap of the week, uh, what the plan is going forward, how we're going to play the particular game we're getting ready to play on Sunday. And um, most of the time it's it's – practice clips and you know kind of splice them with the game clips and just so we show how we're going to attack a team and things that we think are going to look work well and all those types of things and then I usually try to have some sort of uh, message and you know it's our job as coaches is to try to have a message that can be uh, digestible relatable something that has an impact and some weeks it's something a little more funny and lighthearted. Uh, some weeks it's some movie clips um, we use a lot of I've used a lot of um, different documentaries, sports documentaries. Uh, just you know, just have some other voice and perspective um, on whatever the topic might be. So I've done a lot of them over four years, and uh, I appreciate that uh, Joe Joe felt like that one made an impact on Saturday. But um, you know, it's just sort of part of part of the normal weekly routine. And uh, again, if, if maybe some of some have probably fallen pretty flat uh, over the years, and some of some of them, I think, have, have been better than others, but uh, you have to ask the guys and, and what they think. And if, if they're really as good as I think they are or as bad as they can be sometimes, I try to keep it as entertaining as possible. But, um, you know, it's a pretty normal part of the week and normal routine, uh, normal Saturday meeting. And uh, I thought the message this week um, was probably a little more aggressive than others, uh, but it, was, it seemed to have resonated, so that's good. I don't know what he said, but I hope he has something similar planned for Pittsburgh. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Now, let's get to an injury update. The Bengals have not had DJ Reader in the lineup since he suffered a knee injury in Week 3 against the Jets. But the team is optimistic that he could return after the bye. I asked defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo about the big man in the middle of his defense. All right, you're poised to potentially get some reinforcements back after the bye, most notably DJ. Is that your hope? Yeah, I hope so. I think he's on track. You know, I saw him running around out there this morning and uh, looking good. So hopefully he'll uh, it'll stay trending that way and, you know, just give us a great lift when he gets back. Uh, he, you know, really, really hard to block one-on-one in the run game and, gives you more rush than you would think from a guy his size so um, and then just his leadership out there on the field um, he's a dominating force pro football focus has dj graded as the second best interior defensive lineman in the league this year he's one spot behind chris jones of the chiefs and one spot ahead of aaron donald Cornerback Mike Hilton missed last week's game against Carolina after tearing ligaments and fracturing the pinky finger on his left hand in three places in the Monday night game at Cleveland. He had surgery the following day and says he'll definitely be back next week in Pittsburgh. I find this hard to believe, but some people apparently question Mike's toughness when he was ruled out of last week's game. Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott famously had the tip of his pinky finger amputated in order to play in a playoff game. But Lott says he regrets doing it, and I seriously hope that nobody expected Mike Hilton to do the same thing. Mike saw some criticism on social media and sent out a tweet saying, LOL, y'all think I quit on my team. Folks are hilarious. 
Here's what he had to say about that tweet. Man, you know how people are. They think just because it's a pinky compared to what people did back in the day. I got all the little Ronnie Lott stories. That's cool and all, but this is 2022. Like, I'd rather be healthy for the back end of the season than re-injure myself and put the team in the worst position. So I, I, I got those DMs and all that. I just laughed and put that tweet out, but I, I'm ready to go. I feel, I'm, I feel good. Never considered cutting it off? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. That, that's not going to cross my mind. Hey, I respect the Ronnie Lott. You know, you're great, but that's not. Yeah. <laughs> pound for pound, Mike Hilton is among the toughest players in the NFL. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. Now, time for something a little different. One of the best things about the Bengals' two trips to London has been meeting Bengals fans from all over the world. And one of the most dedicated is Paul Hirons. The name might sound familiar. Paul is one of the leaders of the Bengals fan club in the U.K., and co-host the popular Cincy Natter podcast, which follows the Bengals from an international perspective. Paul and a large group of Bengals fans from overseas were at the game last Sunday in Cincinnati, and I had a chance to talk to him about their visit this week. Paul, how many Bengals fans made it to the U.S. for this trip, and how did this adventure come about? Well, uh, to answer your first question, it was 25 how it came about, I think there was always, t- as the fan group grew, um, there was always kind of talk about, oh, we should go away, we should all get together and go away. But there was no really, I mean, frankly, I wasn't going to underwrite that trip. Uh, <laughs> uh, and there, But there was always like, oh, we should go. And, of course, one or two mates came over together and there was, you know, a few pockets of Bengals fans from the UK came over on their own steam. Um but then COVID happened, that kind of shelved everything. Mm. And then this year, a company in the UK called Touchdown Trips, I'm sure you can guess what line of work they, <laughs> they cater for, uh, they, they called me and said, listen, you know, we, the Bengals are one of the only clubs that we've not, not, not been to. Mm. You know, we've been to pretty much every NFL club in, in, in the US. But, uh, and we, so we, we did like a bit of an exercise where we contacted the clubs that we'd never been to. And the Bengals kind of said, yeah, we'd love to help out and, and make this happen. And then he asked me, would we be interested in aligning or kind of joining together in a loose arrangement and calling it a Bengals UK trip? And I said, well, let's go for it. I was a bit, I wasn't sure what the interest was going to be because, you know, money's very tight at the moment, times are tough. I, I needn't have worried, really. The interest was, like, sky high. Um, so, yeah, in the end... 25 people came. Of that group of 25, who had been to Cincinnati before, if anybody? Oh, that's a good question. Let me think. Maybe uh, maybe me. Mm-hmm. So this is my third time here. Very lucky and very privileged to, to have done that. Uh, another guy had been once, I think. So, yeah, only kind of two of us, yeah. So I am a fan of Leicester City in the Premier League. Right. And the first time the Bengals went to London in 2016, I went to one of their matches. It was yeah. at Tottenham. And it didn't seem real to me. I had been watching Jamie Vardy and Casper Schmeichel on TV, and they had won the Premier League title the year before. It was like a movie. Yeah, Was it like that for 
the Bengals fans who came to the U.S. for this game and watched the game last Sunday? I mean, yeah, it, the short answer is yes. The slightly longer answer. I mean, I wept when I first came over and saw Paul Brown Stadium, uh, as it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it is emotional, and I believe you met uh, a, a guy called Tom a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. who put a video on social media with him bawling his eyes out. It means so much to people. Um, and as soon as we got into town and checked into our hotel, I said, look, you know, pay court. I mean, it's just there. And everyone's going, like, okay, we've got to go, got to go. And it, it, so it wasn't, like, uh, it, it wasn't kind of like like a virgin touch for the very first time for me personally. <laughs> but still, it felt surreal. And it just I kind of exhaled and think, there she is. There she is. Um, but those guys were kind of like in awe. Um, I have to say the stadium looked different, brighter, more lights. Mm-hmm. I think that goes in, you know, it's in line with everything Elizabeth and her team mm-hmm. uh, has have done. So it looked spectacular. And those guys, were, it, it, do you know what? It was kind of like being a dad, giving a Christmas present to a, a child on Christmas Day mm-hmm. and, and watching their faces open it, you know. It was just brilliant. They were just like, oh, you know, they were really, really taken aback. And the, I'm sure your listeners might be thinking, well, why? Uh, it's because we we watch these games often on a laptop. Um, you just don't think it's it's ever an option to be here and experience it firsthand. And then you kind of, you know, this long-distance relationship that we have, it really fosters a very kind of quite intense um Bond. So to actually be here is is a very emotional and surreal experience for a lot of people, me included. Still, mm. you know, we're chatting with Paul Hirons from the Bengals UK fan club. What were some of the highlights of the entire adventure? Because coming to the game was not the only thing that this group of twenty five did. Yeah, it was a. I mean, it was a a whirlwind weekend. Um, they had some free time on on Saturday morning and Monday morning. That's it. Um, Obviously, everything was optional and they could do what they wanted. But, um, yeah, and I kind of I kind of <laughs> did this fat pack, you know, guide to Over the Rhine, guide to Covington, guide to the breweries you can go and visit, guide to uh, family-orientated adventures. No, 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 every, everyone discarded that completely. <laughs> All they wanted to do was spend money in the pro shop, Cincy shirts or, or Cox Sports, you know. Mm-hmm. So the next time I saw them, there was like huge kind of <laughs> trash liners full of hundreds of dollars of, of merchandise, you know. Um, the, a couple of things. We went to see the Bearcats on, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That was a really great experience. One of our team members, you know, as we were talking earlier, um, is as big a Bearcats fan as he is a Bengals fan. So to see his face when he got to be inside Nippet Stadium seeing the Bearcats was was really special. Uh, And that was a very special experience, full stop. You know, the tradition and the... the, I mean, I don't know you do it each week, Dan. It's it's bonkers. (laughs) It's fantastic. That's why it's fantastically bonkers. The band... Then there's football, there's band, then you've got some sort of weird physical challenges. So it's kind of part game show, part live gig, and then part football thing. It's, it was amazing. It was just fantastic to be there. Um, obviously, you know, 
the main event obviously was was Sunday so we got down to the tailgates at 8am and um, had a great time down there um, and just being there was, was terrific I, I will mention one very special thing that happened um, there was a guy and his partner no I'm going to leave this very quickly uh, one of the special things that happened two of the guys on the tour bought their sons with them mm. so one guy bought his 12 Andrew uh, bought his 12 year old son Felix and um, Nick bought his 17 year old son Ben and I thought that was just fantastic and just seeing them go about the town together and I think it was a really special trip for those guys in terms of a father son relationship but the, as if you're thinking about the main event in terms of uh, itinerary it was the Bengals game quite obviously mm -hmm. But the main event in terms of things that happened, uh, one of our guys, Joe, Joe Jones, I'm sure he won't me, uh, mind me mentioning him, proposed to his partner, Rasha, on the banks of the River Ohio before the game. Uh, thankfully, she said yes. <laughs> that would have been something. You would not have told the story otherwise. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, and, and they are such a lovely couple. You know that that kind of bought a lump. It was like the chair, the icing mm. on the cake to, to 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 end the whole trip. It was fantastic. And now all other proposals pale in comparison. <laughs> well, we kind of said, "What are you going to do for your wedding?" You know, <laughs> you've got to go on the pitch at Paycor to kind of tie the knot. But no, it's fantastic. Paul, what was the Super Bowl viewing experience like for you? With the time difference, were you together with fellow Bengals fans? How did you pull that off? Oh my goodness me! How did I still ask that question today? We had it. Um, so, I think I think I sp I speak for most Bengals fans um, when I say that it was unexpected to get to the Super mm -hmm. Bowl. I think everyone knew that we had a very talented team, and we should be more competitive last year. Maybe challenge for the division. But, you know, momentum is everything in sport and confidence, and if you've got those two together. So I was actually quite confident against the Raiders and the Titans, actually. But you kind of think, the Chiefs in our head? Come on now. We were in a little uh, a bar in London, uh, kind of a restaurant come bar called Cincinnati Chili Bomb. Uh, a British guy who used to live in Cincinnati oh. has opened a... It, it's nothing like Cincinnati Chili, but he's that's his brand. Mm -hmm. And we got in touch and said, well, you know, We've got to have the, the meet-up there, right? And it was one of the most... I will never forget that night. It was like 40, 50 people packed into this mm. small bar. It was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. And then we obviously got to the Super Bowl. Absolute mayhem. Absolute grown men crying in the street. It was that kind of evening. And then a day later, it was like, oh, we're in the Super Bowl. We've got to do a Super Bowl party, haven't we? Uh, so... Uh, what followed was probably the most intense and hectic week of my life, trying to keep my day job, but also trying to find a venue to, to host uh, a Super Bowl that would start around midnight and finish around half past three on Monday morning. Mm -hmm. Licensing is a bit different over in the UK, so trying to find a place that had a license to serve booze on that early on a Monday morning, Sunday into Monday. We found one eventually, thanks to the help of several people in, in, in the Bengals UK leadership group. Um, it was a pub in central London. We took it all over, three floors. 
we decked it all out in kind of uh, jungle foliage and orange and black. The staff wore Bengals T-shirts. They had Bengals bombs at the bar. You know, three floors packed full of Bengals fans. It's pr- one of the, honestly, one of the greatest achievements of my life, putting that on <laughs> in such a short space of time, uh, obviously with the help of the guys in the group. Um, and it was a fantastic night as well, apart from those final seconds. So, um yeah, it was. It, I always said if the Bengals got back to Super Bowl because I was a teenager when, when the, they last got to the Super Bowl. I always said, do you know what? Going to the Super Bowl with all the expense and I'm not really a flashy guy. I don't care about, you know, all the hoopla and whatnot. I would rather come to Cincinnati to to kind of experience it with hmm. Cincinnatians somewhere in a in a bar somewhere or whatever watch party somewhere. But um, I didn't. I just stayed with my people in in the UK, and we had an incredible time. Incredible time. Three stories worth of fans. I exactly. think it worked out well. Right. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Paul, has Joe Burrow become a star in the UK? Yeah, everyone knows who Joe is, I think. Um, you know, as I say, you, you've been to the UK a few times. You know that the sport has gone from cult status to almost mainstream status I think and so people are clued up and I think you know with the Bengals with their with their helmets and their jerseys they're very recognisable uh, yeah absolutely Joe Joe is a star I think globally um, not kind of maybe on the Brady Rogers kind of level but a, you know sports fans generally will probably know who Joe Borer is yeah so the NFL added a 17th game last year, and now it's been decided that that's going to be the international game. So every eight years, an NFL team will give up a home game, and that so-called 17th game against the team from the other conference will become an international game. So the Bengals are theoretically due yeah. next year. They will host a team from the NFC North, so Minnesota, Green Bay, Detroit, uh, Chicago, and that game could very easily be in London or Germany or somewhere uh, internationally. Are your fellow UK fans eagerly awaiting the possibility of this announcement? Yeah, I mean, goodness me. Again, I'll go back to the fact that you've experienced this. Um, it is an incredible experience, I think. Um, and I'm, I, I think you would agree with that, wouldn't you? Absolutely. It's one of the highlights of my Bengals broadcasting career. Yeah. doesn't compare to doing the Super Bowl. No, but no, no. those two London games have been absolutely fantastic, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, and I think part of that, I mean, the game is almost a separate thing entirely. Um, if, if your listeners don't know, each visiting team get allotted a pub. So the Bengals pub in London the past... The, past two times they've visited has been the Admiralty just off the famous Trafalgar Square right you've got mm-hmm. Nelson's Column you've got the National Gallery and you've got this pub called the Admiralty and uh, I think the first time I didn't know what to expect the first time in 2016 and I basically more or less went Thursday night and didn't leave until kind of 2am on, on Sunday morning then realise oh good oh there's a game today you know but what I mean it was bumper to bumper in there all the time um, the American fans full respect to those guys it's a lot of money to travel so they're super excited to be there we're mixing and drinking and singing songs and 
mostly derogatory songs about the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, we made such incredible friends. Um, and uh, we saw them at the tailgate. It's like, hey, how you doing? People, go, people from the UK go over and stay with people they met when they come over. Mm. We'll stay with people that they met in 2016. I'm going out for dinner with a couple tonight. I first met in 2016. It, and to me, that's why I do this fan group. It is all about the friendships that you create and the community that springs from it. Um, it was just an incredible experience. Bumper to bumper, suddenly you can see Dave Lapham and his enormous hands, and you're shaking them, and you think you may be crushed. But he gives that amazing Lapham laugh, and you're like, oh, I want to just hug you, Dave. Um, I did do that, actually. But anyway, um, Anthony Munoz stayed and talked to us outside for like 30 minutes. Kevin Huber was around. Uh, Darren, I urinated next to Darren Simmons in the toilet, not in the, not in the streets. We're not animals, obviously. But... Um, so, you know what I mean? There's kind of, and Darren remembers me from that. <laughs> that sounds really weird, doesn't it? But he remembers me from. He made an impression. Exactly. <laughs> I, can't, I won't say anymore. Um, Kev Huber remembers me. We've had him on our podcast before. And um, so it's, it's those moments. Heck, you know, we're, I'm here with you mm. now. You've been, always been very kind and friendly to us. And um, yeah, it, it was an incredible experience. Yeah, you, and then the second time. Uh, Kenny Anderson was there throwing t-shirts into the crowd and it's just a brilliant two or three nights and um, uh, and I think this trip just to bring it back around this trip with the British Bengals guys uh, are exp experienced something similar you know they've met people they've swapped following each other on social media they've swapped numbers you know that kind of thing and I, personally, that, that makes me really proud and actually quite emotional. It's really cool. The Jaguars play a game in London every year, so I know they have a big following. Do you have any sense of where the Bengals rank in comparison to most NFL teams for how many fans they have in the UK? Um, we shout very loudly and proudly, um, as you know, um, and people who follow us on Twitter and social media know it's really difficult to quantify I think mm. the Jags are a bit of an outlier because the actual club runs that and there's been no I won't say that but anyway uh, the actual club runs that account and their social media and whatnot. Um, but you know we're like the fifth most followed team on social media mm. in the UK bigger than the Cowboys Bucks um, Patriots Steelers got to mention that uh, all those guys you know um, teams that have been popular for decades like the Dolphins the Chiefs are quite and the Packers you know you would expect mm -hmm. them to have large fan bases abroad but we're getting there but you know I, I, it's difficult to know I mean um, I think I think we're up there uh, and the popularity of well the popularity that follows a Super Bowl run only helps grow the fan base you know you, there's nothing like a, a winning team you know to do that I think I think there's definitely a few thousand people in the UK that that support the Bengals for sure yeah final thing you're on my podcast I've been on yours yeah. you are the co-host of a popular and really good podcast the Cincinnati podcast Thank did I, I say that properly Cincinnati podcast you've had some a-list guests yeah what are some of your favorite episodes or, or favorite guests that you've had? 
Well, the one with Dan Hordon was pretty special. <laughs> no, genuinely, because you, I asked you, I, just, you know, you, you had to ask the question right, and you were very good at doing this, uh, very good for doing this. You uh, did a bit of commentary, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was great, featuring myself and my co-host Nathan as players. Anyway, whatever, it was very funny, and you were a great sport for that. Um, when we started, we, we Nathan and I just basically got drunk, and swore and very unprofessional then we got Ken Anderson on and Jeff Hobson and we thought ooh we're we're getting some really good guests here maybe we should just tone down the kind of you know (laughs) drinking and the swearing which uh, some would would ask us to bring that back I think but yeah I I think being British helps I think if you call someone or get in touch with someone say would you like to come on a British podcast a British Bengals podcast they're like, okay, that sounds weird. You know, that's mm-hmm. uh, we've had Zach on, Zach Taylor. We've had Darren Simmons. Um, uh, Lap's been on like half a dozen times. Jeff Hobson been on. Paul Dana and Jay Morrison have been on. Done really great journalists. The players we've had: Jesse Bates, Andy Dalton, Carson Palmer. Um, let me think: T.J. Hushman Zada. I mean, the list goes on. My personal favourites was Tommy Cook, now Dr. Tommy Cook, uh, who played for the Bengals only like a year, I think, in the late 60s. But, of course, he was the guy in the the Olympics who rose his fist. And I was super proud um, to have him on, especially as it was during the Black Lives Matter kind of campaign. And um, that was incredible. Mm. Genuinely, I was genuinely humbled to talk to him. Uh, we do an International Women's Day special every year. We're lucky in, in in terms of the fandom because we've got great female journalists. Like we've had Marissa Contepelli, who's magnificent. Uh, Elise Jesse, as you know, those sort of guys. Lindsay Patterson, who's brilliant. Um, we had Zach's wife, Sarah, Sarah Sherman, on this year, who was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Gave a really interesting insight into what it was like from a family point of view for the, during the Super Bowl run. My personal favourite and uh, was was having Sam Weich on. Mm. He was an idol to me growing up, like serious. I, you know, I had my players that I loved, but Sam was the man that I just looked up to. You know, I thought he was just, apart, aside from being a very innovative and fantastic coach and someone you would quite obviously run through a brick wall for, uh, just the kind of guy he was. He was funny. He was unpredictable. He was fiery. He was uh, generous and benevolent. All those things wrapped up into one. Uh, so I love the guy. So to actually get him on the podcast uh, only a few years before he passed away was was something something that I never ever dreamed of doing. And I developed a bit of a personal relationship with him. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was that's. I, I will never. I mean, I'll never forget any of this because if you asked me 35 years ago, as a kid, selecting the Bengals as my team, that I'd be sitting here with you inside Paycall Stadium in Cincinnati, mm. uh, I would I would have laughed in your face. <laughs> um, so it's just been such a brilliant ride and such a privilege to do. The Bengals often pull quotes out of this podcast and create graphics for social media. I'm going to recommend that I urinated next to Darren Simmons <laughs> is not what they select from this particular podcast. But this was really enjoyable. It's so good to see you again. And I truly hope 
that on a Friday next fall, we are sitting next to each other in the Admiralty having a pint, and uh, we have you on one of our Bengals radio shows. That would be a thrill for me. You know it, Dan, and that pint is on me. <laughs> you can guarantee it. No, what a, again, thank you for having me. Just a shout-out to everyone in Cincinnati who's made us feel so welcome. It's been uh, It's blown people away. I've had texts this morning from the guys who are now at home, feeling very despondent to be at home, actually, but they're already saying it's one of the it's the best trip of their life, one of the moments of their lifetime. So, you know, um, who knew that supporting a sporting team could create this kind of level of emotion and friendship and bond and and all the rest of it? So, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely delighted to be here, and I can't thank you enough. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. By Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. By Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. And by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.